Grow Great is a city government leadership podcast with Lisa Norris and me, Randy Cantrell. Each week we share insights, experiences, and wisdom to help you and your leadership grow great. Our website is growgreat.com. So I'm a hockey guy, not, not a player, but I've been involved in hockey for a long, long time. And my son played, uh, as an adult, he, he still plays that ah, the grandkids don't, they're completely ate up with baseball, which was my son's first love, but, and he, he, he still loves it, but we're hockey people. And so Lisa and I are recording today is Wednesday, May the 24th. And we have just witnessed an incredible debacle in the Stanley cup playoffs <laughs> with the Dallas stars who got. No, they didn't get, they completely, well, they completely embarrassed themselves. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, but the last series was awesome. It was the reverse of this where it was toe to toe, Yeah, you know, back yeah. and forth. And we were just That's like, right. man, they're on fire. That's <laughs> right. And for those of you that don't know hockey, this isn't going to be a podcast about hockey. The subject <laughs> is that talent is overrated and we're just putting the context. I'm going to frame the context. So to win the Stanley cup, you have to win 16 games. So there are four series that you have to play to including the Stanley cup final, and you have to win four out of seven games. So it's best of seven, four times. So you've got to win 16 games. Well, that sounds not all that hard. <laughs> Unless you're the one playing. <laughs> yeah. And you, and you would think, well, clearly the most talented team wins. It could be argued. Uh, Vegas now has a stranglehold on this series with Dallas. They have won three games, so they've only got to win one more. Dallas has won no games, Zero. <laughs> but the yes. first two games went to overtime and it could be argued statistically Dallas was 108 seconds away from winning games one and two. They could have been up two to nothing. So victory and defeat were separated in two games by 108 seconds. And hockey the overtime, you're, and you're talking about the overtime, how correct. quickly they scored in overtime. If it had been us in that overtime. Well, and, and had, had we just hung on to a lead and not allowed them to drive it to overtime, right. had we just been able to hang on to a lead for a total of 108 seconds, two games combined, this team would be up, would have been up 2-0. Okay, well, that wasn't how it played out, right? This is why we play the games. And hockey people could tell you that up and down the line, Dallas is a really talented team. Mm -hmm. But there is something else to success. And it doesn't matter if it's part of your leadership journey. It doesn't matter if you are not yet a formal leader. Success is not merely based on talent. And I'm not... I'm not negating talent. We all have to have some natural aptitude, some ability, some capacity for whatever it is we do, but there is this thing called drive. There is this thing called tenacity. There's this thing called willingness. There is the desire that, that we all have. Uh, people have been talking about this new, this new, uh, movie, uh, Ben Affleck, and uh, Matt Damon did this movie about Michael Jordan called Air. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet either. But one of the things that made Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan out, okay, you talent, no question. Ice water in his veins, no question. Good under pressure, no question. 
but such an incredible drive and capacity and, and will to win and for the Stanley cup for you and your city, for your career, that will to win. I will tell you from experience weighs way heavier in success than just pure raw talent or going back to going back to Michael Jordan. He was cut from his high school team twice. Yeah. And he could have quit and never done anything, but you talked about tenacity. He stuck with it. Yeah. Right. I've heard about a scene in that movie. Again, I haven't seen it, but uh, somebody played it. They played it on one of the radio stations here in Dallas. In fact, just this morning, the Nike executives are looking at the college tape. So he played for North Carolina. He played for the revered Dean Smith as a coach. And Dean Smith had been to the finals three times, had not won. And he goes with Michael Jordan. Now on that roster was James Worthy and some other really stud in future NBA players. Jordan was the first freshman to start for Dean Smith. And in the final throws of, of, you know, of a championship, the ball's going to Jordan. It's a prepared play and watching the tape, the Nike executives could see that it was a prepared play and they're watching Jordan and they're commenting, look at him. He's 18 and look at how calm he is. Look at how determined he is. He knows he's getting the ball. Talk about pressure. And he's standing over in the corner and he's just waiting for the play to form and he gets the ball and there you go. That drive and that will to win. Yes, it could be argued. Okay. He's innately kind of got it. There's no question. Some of us have got more of that than others. Question. Can that be developed? Can we develop our willingness? Can we develop our drive? Can we develop our resilience? And the answer to all of those is yes, we absolutely positively can. And part of your leadership journey should be focused on that first for yourself and then to help others. We've all got people and we've had people on our team and we can see in them something they can't see in themselves. We can see an ability to, if they would just own it and be responsible and not whine and complain because their work product is great, but they just, you know, they just don't have that will to win. I hear more leaders complain about those kinds of people. And I'm always, I'm always the idiot in the room asking the dumb questions. And like, well, have you said anything to them about it? Oh no. I mean, they look at me like they're just horrified how, I mean, like have a conversation about it or talk to somebody. Are you kidding me? How are then my next question invariably is then how are you serving them? That's right. If you can see this in them and the, the subject is talent is overrated. And I'm taking a bit of a detour here because this comes up so stinking often. Leaders complaining, bosses complaining about a person that they absolutely positively see. They see a potential A player who's not an A player for reasons that they are not dealing with. They're not coaching. They're not correcting. They're not doing anything with except complaining themselves about a person who may be complaining. And it drives me out of my mind. And I'm like, they don't have to be the rock star that's got the natural talent. Most, most a players I would describe as overachievers. And when we say that we normally mean by an overachiever, they work hard. 
They work hard. Maybe they have to work harder at it. We could look at any human endeavor and we could probably find somebody who's going to achieve at a high level because they've just got it. They've just got the gift. But I would, if I were a betting man, I would bet you that if we closely looked more often, we would see the, the a player, the rock star in whatever that endeavor is as somebody who absolutely was putting in the time and grinding it out and letting adversity handling that adversity better than most and just refusing to quit. That'd be, that'd be my thesis. Yeah. And you know, as we look at it, there's just been this great debate um, that I've had with many because even in hiring is where I typically see this Randy when we're hiring. uh, And I don't know in our audience, if you do this, they look for, yes, they need. Yeah. They they, all do. You know, they all (laughs) do. How long have they been creating the widgets, uh, do they produce the highest number of widgets? Um, are they a widget expert? You know, um, it's that it's the focus on this, on the hard skills, the technical skills. Cause and that means I don't have to worry about any of that. I don't have to train any of that. That's right. That's and they want the person they can drop on the line the fastest to do the job with the least amount of training. Mm-hmm. All right. But I've been, as I've gone through it, um, and there's a great debate on this. Uh, you know, I always say I hire for fit. I can train in HR. It's all law. It's all, how do you do performance? How do you do the system? How do you enter payroll? How do you, I can train every bit of that. Now, granted our job descriptions say you have to have two years or four years or X number of years in, in a related field or this experience level. And I get it. But when you're so focused on the tech, yeah, largely skills, isn't that just to funnel down the can't the pool? It is, it yeah. is. But I have hired the best people with limited experience and a great heart. When you can hire for willingness and attitude, and then seeing them the ability, if you ask the right questions in a 45 minute interview, you can learn a lot about people. And those are honestly been my most successful people. It's not the technical side. I appreciate the technical side because it's a lot less training for me. But honestly, you still have to teach them. I call it the Grand Prairie way. I still have to teach them our culture and what we want and how I want it done and the processes and the protocols. If I'm going to be training you anyway, I'd much rather hire someone with heart than someone with 20 years of experience that I now have to tell them to do it a different way. Mm -hmm. You talk about a hard shift. Yeah. That takes more training because now that you're trying to tell them, what you've done in the past is not how we do it here. Yeah, now you have to unteach. And you get resistant. You have to unteach it. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not saying person with 20 years uh, doesn't have great experience and great knowledge, but it's not always. It is not always um, the answer in every case. Certainly, there's cases that that benefits everybody. But man, you know, like I said, I hire for fit. I look at, I let my managers and everything do all the interviews, and then when they come to me. You know, how do you, how do you react? How, how have you done on a team building? What's been your most difficult issue? Right. How do you learn something you don't know about? You can start digging in and it's not about HR. How, how many years have you processed classification compensation? How long have you done benefits administration? I don't even ask any of those. None. They don't even come up as a question. You know, I'm looking for, do you fit with our team? Do you fit with our culture? And do you have the ability and the desire to learn? Well, we don't, we're not judging toddlers by past performance. That's right. So sometimes that may not, 
that may not be fair, but I've had people, particularly leadership people who, you know, talent is the end all be all that we just, we just need to hire more talented people. I just have not found in the real world that that's the reality. I just have not found, and I've studied high performing teams and groups all my career. And I have always found the high performing team. There are some commonalities and the commonalities are they have a resilience. They have a tenacity. Uh, they have a bit of a snarl about the way that they go about things and that they just refuse to lose. They refuse to quit. They refuse to be defeated by a problem, a challenge or an opportunity. And they are able to pull together. Doesn't mean that they've all got to go home and socialize together, but they've all at some level got each other's back. They all believe in each other enough and believe in the, in, in whatever each of them bring to the table that they can rely on that person to do their work and right. to do their job because where the teams get fractured is when we're, we're all a players. And now we got two C players over there that aren't carrying the load. That dog doesn't hunt as we say here in Texas. That's right. That's uh, right. And they will absolutely destroy a team. And it's just interesting to me that some of the best and the brightest can be put in a room and they don't behave like the best and the brightest. I could argue that last night on the ice at American airlines arena in downtown Dallas, the most talented team got absolutely embarrassed. Yeah. didn't show up. Yep. Now I'm, I'm a Homer. I freely admit it, but better goaltending some world-class players absolutely didn't show up, just didn't show up and captain behaved poorly. The crowd behaved even more poorly. I mean, I, right before we got on here, the, uh, the, the CEO of the stars, I think he was a CEO, you know, made a formal apology to the league, to Las Vegas, uh, to the city. Good for him. Good for him. I mean, there's leadership, but it's, it just proves the point talent can be overrated. I'm not saying minimize talent, but maybe the greater, some of the greater qualities that you might not be looking for, not just in other people, but even in your, in your own life, because how many people do we know that minim, they minimize their own ability to make a contribution because they think, well, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that they're so focused on what they aren't. They lose sight of how powerful they can be. Right and how impactful they can be for somebody else. You know, and it takes an, it takes an ability of a leader. Uh, and I've done this with staff before, and I'm sure many, many in our audience have as well. You have to keep your eyes wide open. You have to see what people are capable of, obviously through their work, but what they're capable of in order to get them, we call it the right seat on the bus. You know, I, I've, I've hired people for a certain job and then talked with them and said, you know what, have you ever thought about X? And honestly, the answer is, I, I haven't had a case that's not the answer that's, no, I don't think I'm interested in that. I mean, that's the answer. No, right. I'm right. Well, because it's I'm like, well, what do you know about mind. it? Yeah. What do you know about it? And they'll know this much if you're yeah, not exactly. watching. It's, you know, less than an inch worth, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? I know this much about it. And, and then it's, 
okay, well, let me tell you what it is. And then I, I tell him in words that are not about the job. I talk about words of it uses creativity. It uses problem solving. Can you fictionalize? Can you fictionalize a specific? Yeah. So, I'll, so give you a, can... I'll give you a specific one. So we had somebody that was uh, benefits and wellness, wanted to do benefits and wellness. They had worked in wellness. They had worked at a company that focused on wellness and, um, and they were in benefits on our side. And I, you know, a, a position came open in our classification and compensation side, which is all about numbers. And um, most people would say, man, that's just the person crunching the numbers to do equities and pay raises and stuff like that. And that sounds horribly boring to some. And I said, well, let me, have you ever thought about that? And they're like, uh, no. And the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, they were pretty, they, they're straightforward person, Again. which I love. They're like, mm-hmm. uh, no. And I said, okay, hold on. Let me tell you why I love it. And so I didn't, I didn't put the onus on them. I said, why I love it is because I get to meet with all the different departments and the department heads. I get to strategize. What are you trying to accomplish? So I understand their strategy and guess who can fix that? HR can, because if I understand their strategy and where they're trying to go, then I can see a solution and a fix that maybe we can do something different. And then I get to coordinate. I'm saying I, I'm just explaining this to them. This is exactly how the conversation I said. And then guess what? I get to work with our recruitment team to figure out how we can advertise differently. And I get to work with the management team on how we can design this differently. And then I get to work with the city manager's office on, hey, we've come up with a solution. Do you think this is a good idea in your organization? And now we've set a template that we can work with other organizations. So you have this whole strategy concept around what appeared to be a numbers job. Right. But it can be so much bigger than a numbers job. It's a, a solution monkey. job. Yeah. yeah. You're a, and I, and this person happened to be very good with technical, like loves the spreadsheets and the formulas and right. which is where we need the strength. Yeah. And but so more than that. And so of course she sat back and her first response was, Hmm, that sounds interesting. Right. I said, yeah, that's what the job is, not what you're thinking it is. So I said, think it. She goes, I still think I want benefits. And I said, you might, but I want you to think about this over the weekend because that job is open. And I think that's your niche and you now, just haven't seen it yet. Now, what were you seeing? What were you seeing in this person? That Well, I saw that they had this creative ability to sh- troubleshoot. They, they loved solving for things mm-hmm. and benefits has a lot of that. But I also saw that they liked the the tedious technical piece, and they were very efficient at that. Yep. One thing they needed to improve upon is the strategy side. So I was thinking, okay, they've already got the expertise in in the uh, ability to design things. Let's move them to get the ability to interact with more minds, with more minds that see things differently. And it shows it can also prove up the inner workings of the city and how you can do things differently. It's not in benefits. We have contracts that we've signed and a way of doing things and wellness. You can create a lot. It is very creative. You can do different things in every organization to serve them um, and, and create your own way. But I know that there was this niche that she had that I think would benefit that role and would help well round her um, to be able to move, to move up, you know, and or out, we hope to keep all of our staff, but, um, but I'm a realist and I'm not going to have enough positions for all the growth that's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Um, so anyway, 
that was it. And she thought about it on the weekend. She came back and she said, you know what? I think that's exactly what I'd like to do. And I said, I, I thought your answer would be yes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it worked out, but, but you have to be able to see that in people. You have to see beyond the job and into their abilities and what they haven't yet demonstrated, but are on the cusp of, of demonstrating. I mean, that's the only way I know how to explain it. And that can be at any level. You can be a peer, you can be a manager, a supervisor, you can be in the city manager's office. Did I you always have, tell people look did, for the ability. Did you have any trep did you have any trepidation about this person moving from one role to another role and failing at that new role? No. Because I could Why? see them. I could see it in them. Yeah. They didn't have they didn't have I would almost say they didn't have the ability to fail. They had the ability to make mistakes. Yeah. But they well, were too driven to let themselves fail. Now, I'm also a definer of failure doesn't mean you did something wrong. Right. Failure is your inability to get up. Yeah. Right. Yeah, lack of resilience. Yes. Failure is your inability or willingness to get up after the fall. And I look for people that stand up, you know, the, yeah. the person that falls and then puts their arms up in the air, like, I'm okay. I'm okay. Right. right. Um, you know, right. That's right. what but I'm that, looking but, for. And that's the, but that's the point of today's show is that it's not, it's not always the most talented. It, it would be great. It would be great if we could hire the most talented, but most of us can't afford the most talented. Even if, even if we could find them, we couldn't afford them. Well, my um, argument is always Randy that I don't know if I always want the 20 year widget maker that's done the same thing 2000 times. Because then my next question is, no. Why? Why haven't you wanted to move? Yeah, exactly. Why haven't you wanted to grow? What have you done for your organization? And trust me, out there, if you've got a 20-year person that's serving you well, great. But my question is, why haven't you? Because I want drive and initiative, and I want a desire to impact. And if you're just doing the same thing all the time, my mm -hmm. first question is, are you just doing enough? You may be the greatest widget maker but could you be the trainer? Could you be the senior person? Could you be the, the person that has insight and ability? I, I want more than just a 20 year widget maker. I just right. do in my organization because I want to be able to grow our industry and grow people and send them. Have you had a make person our industry stronger? Have you had a person that you saw potential in and maybe they just didn't quite have the degree of resilience that you know could have made all the difference in the world? Oh, absolutely. And what did you do about it? Well, I what to be were you able you, to do? So the challenge for me has been if you if you hire for the ability, and I've seen this, it's it's uh it's very in my mind unfortunate because I see ability and talent in people, talent being not their skills but the potential to be a key player mm -hmm. in the organization. And the most common failure of that person to succeed in our organization and probably in many of yours is lack of accountability. Instead of accepting and owning what we believe they can be, what I tell them, here's what I need you to do to get to that next level. They always find a reason that they can't and that can't is always somebody else's fault. Yeah. They never own it. When we they don't own out. it. We let them out of the corner. Yeah. When they we don't, don't keep own them it, in a corner where the growth is. If they don't own the accountability to be better and listen to what somebody's telling them 
and then sh- shove it off on, well, so-and-so did this and so-and-so, I mean, they, they just, they shift, they deflect and go to other things. If that is their first response, and usually it comes out immediately after, like if I've had to have a conversation with them, I invest in my people, man. I want to give them every opportunity to succeed. I believe that they can make mistakes, but if their first response is to go to others and tell them why that they were just placed on X or they were just done X, and then they go tell others why they can't Mm-hmm. do that or they have an excuse for it they they typically they typically can't succeed because they aren't owning it and taking accountability to be the best version of themselves and it's in my eyes it's it's so um it's really sad for me because i see in people what often they don't see in themselves and i see their ability but they have to choose it i can't make the choice for them right. to be resilient and to want to do want to be the best version of themselves you know, my personal conviction is to give those people the opportunity. But again, so much of this goes down to having a really candid conversation. And for me, man, that, that can solve so many of our problems. If we can just find the courage to, I hate to use the word confront, but it's the word that everybody uses. Uh, to confront the behavior that is detrimental to this person, to the team to confront the performance issues and the things that are getting in the way of higher success or success at all is an absolute disservice is a disservice to us. It's a disservice to this employee. It's a disservice to our organization. And I, I'm probably going to die wondering why that is so hard for people. I think I know, I'm not sure I know. But I think I know because over the years, what I have learned is our context. It feels punitive and I just don't see it that way. I see it as a service. Why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you, if, if I saw an elderly woman trying to carry, you know, I live in an apartment complex, top floor got elevators and stuff. But if I saw some person struggling with something, would I ignore them or would I lend them a hand? Would I open a door? Would I offer to grab a a sack? I would. Am I making judgment? Well, this idiot, they're so weak. They're so lame. They can't do this themselves. That's not going through. That's not going through our heads in those situations. And yet we get in a workplace and we see somebody that we see something in them that if, if they could work on that, if they could grow, if they could improve that, it would make all the difference in the world. I don't know why we can't view them just like we would the person that just needs a helping hand. Yeah, I have had so many conversations, um, and I've, I've had people in other organizations talk to me about their situations that are very similar. And where managers have somebody that's a high performer that's struggling on something. Mm-hmm made mistakes, uh, did something incorrectly, uh, maybe didn't talk to somebody as as best they could or what the leader would like to see. In almost every case, there's a few exceptions to that. Um, The leaders are like, yeah, I I just decided I'm really not going to talk to him because it's going to break their spirit. And I'm like, why don't you let them decide? How are you serving? How are you serving them? They're like, well, if I talk to him exactly like you said, Randy, it's going to be considered punitive. And then they're just going to, they're just going to give up. And I said, Hmm, what if 
you had a positive conversation, said, man, you are my rock star. Everything you do is excellent. But here's, but yesterday I saw this. How do you think that conversation went or whatever it was, right? How do you right. think that right. when you made that mistake, how did it feel? Well, it felt like crap. Well, yeah, I, I agree. It does feel like crap. What are we going to do about that? Well, you know, I really don't want to make it again. I let you down, whatever the case is. Okay. It's all in how you frame it. Now, well, they, they can walk away beating themselves up, but you can also give them encouragement and say, you know what? I'm glad you thought about it that way. I agree with you, but you're so resilient. You're going to rebound from this. Here's the mistakes I've made in my career. You haven't achieved that that level unless you've achieved my mistake, which you haven't yet. (laughs) You know, and I, what if you had that conversation? Is that punitive or is that supportive and real? And you're talking to them about something and you've just invested time in them. And they say, and what are they? Usually they say, Man, I just, yeah, I, I will definitely do that. I will definitely go, you know. They didn't think about it in that context. They themselves were thinking about it in a punitive context. Well, not only that, it helped me understand how they're thinking. Because if they're low right. on all that, that they failed you, you need yeah. to lift them up. Yeah, of course. Like, I just don't under, you know, it's hard for me to understand, but I, I get it. I've been in those moments. We all can second guess ourselves on what we did and why we didn't do it or why we did do uh-huh. it. But man, just think about serving them. Sir, well, somebody loved them enough. Somebody support. loved them enough to make an employment proposal to them and get married to them professionally, and hire them. So, or parents, do you just tell your kids, "Oh yeah, you did that wrong," but I'm not going to talk to them about it. <laughs> right. I'm not going to let my children know, and I just hope that they learn the right way. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. don't do that. No. You love them and you That's serve right. them and say. I'm going to, you know, I need, and sometimes it is punitive. You know, I've got to put you in your, you're going in your room. Yeah. You need to yeah. think about what you just did to your brother. Yeah. But the and point do, of do, the point yeah, of that punishment. Exactly. That's the point of the punishment. The point of the punishment isn't just to inflict pain. It's so that you will learn and grow, which is yeah. kind of the point of this podcast. So there you go. Well, it's just, it's just so, um, you know, I would just tell you as we, as we talk about this talent versus willingness versus ability, uh, I think you need a little of all of it, of right? Course. To do well. I think you do need people that have a little bit of all of it, but don't lose sight of moving well beyond the talent itself and looking at what they have to offer and where you can, where you can move them and challenge them and grow them. So they are even stronger through you and with your help. That's where it really counts in leadership to make a difference in this, in our cities and in, in leadership generally. Like I said, we've got to grow them and send them because the, we've got to increase this talent pool that we're sending out to each other. Um, we are moving amongst other cities and it's worth your time investment to make others better for all of us. Thanks for watching and listening to Grow Great the City Government Leadership Podcast. For Lisa Norris, I'm Randy Cantrell. Be well, do good, grow great. The website is growgreat.com.